0: I have my issues with Purple Rain.
1: You, uh, you have issue with it as an album or as a soundtrack to a
2: movie? As a soundtrack.
0: What are you talking about Purple Rain?
2: Are you recording? I hope you're recording. Yeah, I'm recording.
1: Okay. Here's my
0: issue with Purple Rain. I believe that it should have been, in a, as it was originally thought out, as a soundtrack to the movie that included Apollonia 6, that included Des Dickerson's minor, okay. that okay. included Jungle Love and all of that.
1: Okay. You know, that's just you having too much fucking information. <laughs> <laughs> that's, all, that's too much inside information. <laughs>
3: the B-side. Scoop, Isaac, Jahan, Arthur, the music's
1: now.
0: 15 of the music snobs my name is arthur and i'm with my co-host Jahan, scoop and isaac and let's get right to it pop life can a can a snob like pop music nope and next question the thing is that we are Wait, you know, is it like or love can a can a snob
3: can a snob like pop what about respect so you don't, like, you don't like half a princess catalog then, huh, John? <laughs> well, I remember sending Arthur a bunch of emails about what makes a particular album a masterpiece in the general public's eyes. Right. And, you know, what pierces the general public's consciousness for a particular album. We talked about Lauren Hill's Miseducation. Right, and, right. And, you know, we went through the album and I was like, do whop that thing. I would have removed that. Um, I only have eyes for you. I would have removed that too. And slowly it became apparent that all the tracks that I would have removed would be the ones that actually made it to success with the general public. It's the same thing with Prince. You know, Raspberry Beret, I, I'd have taken that out. Um, there's a bunch of tracks I could mention that I would take off Prince's classic albums to make them better in my eyes. And the thing is, it's not intentional, it's just the stuff that's more lightweight is the stuff that seems to capture the public's attention and it's not the stuff that i like it just seems that when something's designed for a commercial year, it's Look. not designed for mine and it's not intentional you know your gut reaction is going to be like oh he just wants to be different that's not the case it's it's just not for me but i'm no, saying but,
1: go ahead no i was about to say I, I, whatever love jahan but whatever if if Lauryn Hill's album only sold one hundred thousand copies, he probably would think it's the greatest fucking selling album ever. No, I mean, no, greatest no, 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 album no, no. ever. That's bullshit. No, that's no, real no, no, shit. No no, 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 no. Jahan, Jahan, you are allergic to anything that the the masses like. Period. <laughs> period. Let's okay. Let's, no, let's, let's let's
2: let's let's analyze be, that. Yeah, let's analyze it. Let's 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 analyze and let's be honest. Let's let's say let's take a step back, Jay, and just say you're not necessarily allergic to it. But be honest, if it's a mass like appreciation for a certain project. Do you Are you in the slightest bit apprehensive about even approaching that project?
3: Absolutely. Definitely. But, but let me tell you this. Certainly, I'm apprehensive. But my experience tells me that what the mass is like is just not for me. However, every now and then, I'll come across a beautiful song that'll be in the so-called pop realm. Let's take the lead off track for Justin Timberlake's album. Timberland produced it. It's got a really ambitious type of construction, just like the different rhythms and time signatures. I think it's great. It's a great I also recently heard a mixtape by a girl called Jojo, who I gather is like a young white teen or early 20-something. Now, her mixtape, Agape, particularly the tracks Take the Canyon and You Can't Handle the Truth, just quality R&B and nothing poppy about it. So the first thing I want to say before we get too deep into any of this is... To me, pop is the style of music. A lot of people will counter-argue that pop just means popular. But no, to me, I disagree. Pop is its own style of music. You can have styles of music that are popular and have similar levels of popularity to pop, but they're not pop. Do you
1: follow? Yeah, we agree 200%. But my thing is that you're talking about individual songs. That's different in whole projects. Let's go back to Justin Timberlake. It's going to be interesting to me to see if... You, yeah, do you like anything that he's done, his, his two albums? The two albums he's put out so far, have, do you like any of those? Yeah, I like the last track on the
3: last I'm not album. talking about one song, John. I'm talking about the whole project. Well, no, not particular. But then again, you know, before we came on, we were talking about how there are weak points on Purple Rain, for example, right? Okay. But you still like the entire project, though? Yeah, I mean, as a whole, it's a it's a good album, but there are still weak points. Okay, so on
1: I want to see when Justin when Justin Timberlake when this when this uh, uh 2020 experience comes out, mm. it's gonna be interesting to see if he likes this or not. And I'm gonna tell you right now, he's not gonna like it. Why? Because it's going to be popular, because it's going to sell. Oh, come
3: on. <laughs> that's not the determinant. Hold so on, let me, hold no, on, let me, so let me, hold on no, John. No, 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 no. Let me stick up for no, no, you no, no, for no, a no. second. No. I got to scoop, scoop. Okay, okay, all right. Scoop. No, that's wrong. That's really, really wrong. I mean, you're, you're acting like it's my intention that whatever happens, I've already made up my, my mind. That's not true. Okay. Prove me wrong then. No, I don't have to prove but you wrong. You have to prove
2: yourself right. Okay, but let me ask you this, though. In my opinion, this is my problem with pop music. I'm glad you guys brought up just simulate because before uh, the uh, what was it the album Sexy the love but Future Sexy, sexy sex, but sex, love. Mm-hmm. before that album to me that was almost a resurrection of what really really good pop music can sound like. Prior to that, you know, in the uh, ni- late 90s and throughout the early 2000s, mm-hmm. it's, it felt like pop music had become completely bubblegum in the 80s some of the best music being produced was pop music you know in the 80s you know we grew up on that you know what i'm saying the mtv generation we grew up on some great pop music by white and black bands i love what justin Timberlake came back and did with future sex love songs because it just felt like pop music hadn't gotten its just due you know what i'm saying at that point now I don't know where pop music is now, and I, I get Jahan's point about popular music, you know, as opposed to a a, a a you know how something sounds. But I find it hard. It's like when you look at Prince, Michael Jackson, all these great artists that we talk about. They did other things, but they mastered pop music. Shit, Michael built a lot of pop music. You know, what I'm saying we're still listening to what he did. You know, what I'm saying other artists are doing it so I get John's point as far as the the, the the popularity of music and how that plays into something but I also think that on this show a lot of times we associate uh, snobbery with complexity I think that we can also appreciate things that are very very simple in nature as long as they work
0: well I bring, I'm glad you bring that up because it, when when I first heard <laughs> when I okay when I first heard Nora Jones's uh, um, the first album her debut uh it was it released on Blue Note. It was billed as she was billed as a jazz vocalist. And I was I loved that album. Listened to it for several months before it became a pop album. Right. A popular album. A popular album. Mm-hmm. Now, if I had if I had heard uh, Come Away with me and and uh uh Don't Know Why later on, I, I still would have liked it. Mm-hmm. But then it would have been classified as pop. When I first came to it, it was classified as jazz. Mm-hmm. But I, listening to it, I knew it wasn't jazz. But okay, it, it's 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 jazz or whatever. So there is popular music that we resonate with, or I resonate with as well, an elitist. as an elitist right. that then becomes part of the popular culture
3: and is celebrated as pop. Yeah, I I agree with that, but I don't think. It still becomes pop, the genre, and nothing else. And that's what I'm talking about. I'm talking about that bubblegum stuff. That to me is what pop is. So I agree with Isaac that throughout the '80s you had a lot of great artists like Phil Collins, Lionel Richie, um, George Michael, and you know mm-hmm. they did R&B, they did soul, Hollow they did Notes. rock. Right, exactly. Your rock. And but the genre was still the genre. It wasn't pop. It became popular, but it was still like R&B, soul, you know, in in its essence. Um, but it didn't have like a naked ambition of just selling units. You know, it wasn't designed specifically just to sell units, you know, like, for example, Tag Team, which is just the party track. No sort of meaning behind it mm-hmm. whatsoever, and that's the stuff that I'm allergic to, and 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 it is an allergy. You know, it's not intentional scoop. Okay, it is. It's just no. something that rubs me completely the wrong way. Okay,
1: here's my thing, though, Jahan. Seriously, it's I, I don't know anybody, and I don't know, and you all can answer this question. Do you know anybody, anybody that does not like Lauren Hill's album, Mariah Carey's album, <laughs> Adele's album? And Justin Timberlake's, I mean, come on now, you got to like at least one of those. Oh, you're talking about like
2: all of them, because I'm about to say, I don't like Adele's album, but you talking about oh, collectively, board, yeah, okay.
1: collectively. How can you not yeah, like, yeah, but, wait, I but mean, he doesn't but, like any oh, of that, but all, oh, all of them are
2: popular, you know what I'm saying? They're standard wait, wait, classics
3: wait, wait. in pop music, mm-hmm. am I right? Yeah. And you don't like okay. any of them. Okay, well, wait, what is really, really important to acknowledge right now is that I, I think more than any of you, I can talk with a passion about the tracks on those albums that I do like like the tracks on Miseducation, on Lauren Hill's album that I love, Nothing Even Matters. I can talk about that with a passion more than I think anybody here or any average person. The same thing with, you know, Justin Timberlake's Suit and Tie, for example. I've already articulated why I think that's a great track. You know, uh, Mariah Carey, Circles. I mean, I can talk about exactly why I think that's a beautiful track. So, you know, it's not, you know, I am listening. My ears are open.
2: You said... It's not blind hate. No, no it's not blind hate. Yeah, it's not blind hate. I think though, what's happened though is that, and I, I don't think John is alone in this. It's probably true for a lot of people. I just feel like pop has earned a bad name. I feel like pop in the '80s, like I disagree at one point you made, John. I think Duran Duran and Phil Collins and them when they were doing this, they had it in their mind they need to sell. They want to sell a million yeah. platinum. They want to yeah, go multi platinum. But, but that was so that was that wasn't their only ambition. though. No, that like. wasn't that wasn't their only. But this, but that's that speaks to my point. I think pop music was a respectable. Maybe not, maybe not. High esteem, but I'm saying it had much more respect as an art form than it does now. But that's you don't have to love it; you can
1: appreciate it, and that's my thing. As, as snobs, we're almost supposed to go against the grain of what popular music is, because that that that's what snobs are. But at the same time,
3: you can have an appreciation for. know, I don't. Do you know what Scoop? You, you set this off by originally by saying Jahan doesn't like anything that sells over five thousand units.
2: <laughs> no, Jahan,
3: you started. You
2: th- talking about that? He talking about a few shows ago.
3: Oh, okay. I was
1: about to because right now you just start, you shut Arthur's answer down like move on to the next <laughs> one from yeah. the beginning.
2: You were, hey
3: Jay, you were like no. I know you were like no.
1: Let's go, and I'm like that. But that's the attitude you always give. That's it. Like you're allergic to pop music. Like no, we don't even it doesn't even exist.
3: Yeah, but it's but but we gotta be clear about the definition of pop. Right? I mean, it's not It's not sales. It's not just because it sells well, I'm not going to like it. Now, I mean, we shouldn't get too deep into these guys because they des- they deserve their own topic, maybe their own show. But Radiohead, I went to see Radiohead last year twice, back-to-back nights at the O2 Arena in London. They had like tens of thousands of people who were there. You know, millions of people bought their music. Tens of thousands of people were there screaming along to every single new track. And it was all brave new music, it's clearly popular clearly popular but it was still ambitious it was still advanced it wasn't it wasn't pop per se it wasn't like a genre in and of itself it was their own brand of music that was popular so you know i do like stuff i love stuff that sells in large quantities in some cases Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. they're a
1: a throwback
2: to me they're a throwback to
1: that maybe i'm different i don't look at Radiohead as a pop group
3: no, but that's but, the point.
1: Okay, but that's the point. But that's different. Okay, do you like anything Duran Duran's ever done?
3: Yeah, definitely.
1: Oh, I about to say, please, okay, please, right, God right, then, don't okay. Say now you know what. <laughs> Since you have said that, I, I pull back off my statement. I was waiting for you to say, oh hell no. <laughs>
2: <laughs> but you, but hold on, hold on. Here, here's to me. It's like there's a, there's a fine line between Pop's good good side and dark side. And I think that the track on Justin Timberlake's album that he um at first he did it solo, and then the remix, the quote unquote remix, was with Beyonce, the Slow Jam yeah. until the end of time or whatever. Mm-hmm. First first version of that, I liked it. Mm-hmm. When Beyonce gets on it, it felt gratuitous and it felt, okay, this is a, now mm-hmm. a pop, forced mm-hmm. pop right. song. Right. To me, that's a that's a good case study between good pop and bad pop. It was always pop, right. that song. But when she gets on it, it crossed the line into now nah, I don't like this. Okay, but let's get back to the original question. Can you
1: love, like, appreciate, respect? I think you used the word I, respect. I'll now, say now yes. as a snob, from Arthur's original question, can you respect it? And that's why I I don't want to say I'm going in on Jahan.
2: I don't think any of the adjectives we can a place can place to this well I, uh, let me say this though because i disagree with john about john i think and you can't speak for anybody else <laughs> but I, he, that's my boy i love him i've heard some of the songs he's played you know it's like i've you know, I, you know we kicked it in london i got to listen to his ipod it's like i've heard some of the stuff he likes pop there is pop music that he likes like what he, he does you do like that that the the female artist that you put on the uh on the uh, Tumblr site. No, Hold on, no, 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 no. let me make my point. The female artist, what's her
3: name? Charlie XCX.
2: Okay, he put it on the Tumblr site and he said, disclaimer, this is not no, pop. Not I pop. listen to it, it's pop. No. Everything is subjective, but in my opinion, Jahan does appreciate pop music. Okay. He, he does have some. I haven't seen that. I haven't spent, nah, you know, Jahan not, and I have done a lot of things together. I'm your, I'm your lawyer right here, Jay. I'm <laughs> right. trying to no, defend not, you right a, now. Right. Right. Just
3: let it go. Let it go. <laughs> you can't put me on the stand. Don't put me on the stand.
2: <laughs> right. Yeah. Don't, don't get on the stand. Uh, uh, I'm going right to right the, I'm have
1: him jump off of you. Oh, emancipation to Mimi. Now you're back on my side. Now you're back on my side.
3: Come on. You're back on my side. Let me get in this no 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 no. let let me me just say you know that that charlie xcx track is it's a odd future remix of a charlie xcx track it's not you know what we hear is their funk to it what we hear is their r&b or hip-hop vibe on her track it's not pop though it's like you know it it wasn't that wasn't the intended track you know i mean at the end of the day it's not designed for the top 40 you know so can a snob like music that's nakedly designed specifically mm-hmm. for the top 40 no that begs See, that begs the
2: question though is is there is it is pop not a genre is it a mishmash of th- things? i think it's a mishmash and yeah. i mean the
0: central question isn't you know can jahan love pop it's about can a music snob love pop mm-hmm. and right. i think the climate of music has something to do with that also i mean for example a lot of a lot of the top 10 songs that are sold in itunes some of those things come from Um, albums that aren't released yet that won't ever be, for example, American Idol songs of the week that have been sung, X Factor songs of the week that have been sung that are designed as part of an overall machine to generate more Mm. revenue for, you know, for the publisher, for the music company and such. Mm. Now, I have a, a almost near immediate aversion to whatever's played on top 40 radio. But because of that, because of way, A, of what I described, and B, because I am looking for complexity. My ears are looking for complexity. My ears are looking for an artist that has actually planned a project as opposed to an artist who has a hit song and then the record company's figuring, well, you know, if we're going to spend all this money for them to record this song, they might as well record 13 more because we can really milk this thing, you know? Mm-hmm. I think there are two types of projects that are like that.
1: Okay, here's a classic example once again. I feel it, But let's take Katy Perry. Mm-hmm. Katy Perry's last album is one is probably the, the standard barrier for what pop is right now I'll give, I'll give okay, you that Okay, do you like that album?
0: I haven't heard the whole thing John, I like. have you no, listened? But I've, I've liked the few songs that I've heard Every so song
1: that. on there is basically it's 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 constructed to do exactly what it did to have a bunch of singles I think they've had more singles reach the top 10 off that album than any other album in the history of Billboard It's a pop, 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 pop record change. No mm-hmm. doubt about it I think it's dope Mm-hmm. I do as a snob. I'm like, you know what? I respect that, but they executed it well because they're great pop songs on there. Now, my question you you haven't heard it, Jahan. Have you heard it? Could you no, listen to I it? I haven't
3: heard it and I probably couldn't listen to it, but you never know. I mean, you know. I, but but dog, uh, I haven't
2: heard it and I don't know if I could listen to it because what I've heard of her, I don't, I have no desire to hear a full album. So, l- 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 let, l- let me l- take l-
3: it back real quick to mirror image something that Scoop said. So, 1986, Paula Abdul. Forever you go. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. Same. yeah All of do it had like seven singles. Six singles. yeah. Seven singles. Now. Six singles were released and made videos for yeah. all of. Them. Right. And you know that's an R and B album, a light R and B album, but an R and B album. And it was incredibly successful, right? Right. Um, I mean, you know, they nurtured the album in a way that they don't nowadays. In two but years. Yeah. Mm. Incredibly successful. But, it, but pop wasn't the right. genre. You know, it was R&B or light R&B or whatever. But, but
0: see, for me, the entire pop genre is nothing but one big umbrella. It's one big tent. Yeah, I think because it's, you were correct when a Nora, The, the Norah Jones example that I gave is more regarded as a pop album. Mm-hmm. But not when it first came out.
2: But see, know. one thing you said to Arthur, and not to interrupt, but real quick, you said that you look for complexity and see, and I, I, I'll admit, I'm more, in, in 2013, I'm more jahan when it comes to pop music than, mm-hmm. you know, than even than Scoop. You know what I'm saying? I'm more closer to Jahan than I'm Scoop as far as my appreciation of, of current pop. But I think that I don't look for anything. I don't care if it's complex or simple. I don't care what it is I'm looking for something I'm looking okay. for something to sound good right so, and you know
3: just to counter a point that Arthur made a minute ago some of Prince's you, you say you need complexity but some of Prince's stuff is simple simple stuff like Erotic City you know it's just a beat a couple of chords the bass line
2: and that's it simple simple stuff
1: simple things Yeah. let me ask this question real quick would any of you all and it's another artist who's currently right now pop artist I'm interested to see if you give me a chance. Is anybody here going to give Bruno Mars a chance? I was just about to bring him
2: up. Yeah. I like Bruno Mars. Absolutely, absolutely, not. absolutely not. Not. I like Bruno Mars. I can't do it because he, here's part of the problem with pop music right now. It's skewing too young. Back in the '80s, you had you had Rhythm Nation, Janet Jackson pop out. Rhythm Nation to me was a pop out, right? But it was skewing not so young. I don't think Justin Bieber and Miley Cyrus and all these little kids, i don't think they would have blown up like this in the the early '80s, as you know, as they did later on. It wouldn't—it wouldn't have been possible for them. They're skewing so young. Bruno, Bruno Mars, I can't really take the dude seriously. You know what I'm saying? I, he just. His his deli- just everything about him. It's like uh, see, I down. feel exactly the opposite. Not consider myself, I'm like, look, the dude has a decent voice. His songs
1: seem, you know, they seem to. He got stage, to, presence, he's he has got stage a presence. He got a show. Yeah, he has a show, it, and he's consciously making pop music. I just can't be. I just can't put that to the side and just dismiss it just on the surface. See,
0: see if you can YouTube or or, or Hulu the Saturday Night Live performance of. Uh, I think I Locked saw out of heaven.
2: I think they, I, mean, I saw it. Who was who was the host on that show? I think I saw that. A uh, Bruno was the host, actually. The thing about that's Bruno so is weird, that, but the thing Bruno about Bruno, the he seems like a caricature to me of like the doo wop slash eighties pop. You know, it's like he's I don't know, it's just something inauthentic like, I feel from him. But here's the thing, you will you just say you won't even give him a chance. No, I'm saying no, I have given him a chance. I've heard him on the radio. You asked me if I listened to his album. Right, that's I'm, what I'm saying, but that's yeah. giving the whole
3: artist a whole chance. Not to yeah, yeah, say, like I mean, right. I mean this is gonna sound incredibly arrogant, but um I, with the amount of music that we and I'm sure people who listen to our show listen to you can make an informed judgment as to whether or not you're going to like something you know on a sort of chances are basis
2: yeah cuz the single the single is kind of like a gateway it's kind of like here here's a teaser and you know if you like this come listen to the whole album right yeah, but that's with all music yeah that's what i'm saying though but it's like listening to his his singles that i've heard on on the radio or just catch them yeah they don't they don't make me want to listen so it's like what i give him if you if you know i'm not i'm not going to say i would never listen to him under any circumstances like it's a political stance or something no but Am I going to take time to listen to his album now?
3: You know, it may be, it may be that we all listen to music for different intentions or with different intentions. I mean, um, we may listen because we want to relax. It may be because we want deep fulfillment. Scoop, I know that you listen to music, you know, with all kinds of intentions. For me, it's got to be some level of fulfillment. And I can't listen to a commercial radio bubblegum throwaway track and get any level of fulfillment at all but that, that gets that gets to the
2: heart of the question though for me is that for a snob does that wider i forgot the term you just used but that wider scope of attention that, that wider scope of attention does that make you more of a snob so and at this point you and arthur may look like more like snobs but in reality scoop may be the biggest snob at the table
1: maybe but I'm, but, but I'm, I'm still the King guy snob. no no but but, girl, but at the same time I'm the guy that at this table I would give Mumford and Sons a chance right. yeah. nobody else would no and I did well, you might be the biggest snob. I did you know, I gave him a chance
0: I gave him a chance and I'm still working with it it's, it's, I, that's just, not that my whole, type of music I don't whole whole like that music But hardcore look listen
1: the whole hardcore Celtic stuff that's not my type of music right, right but at the right. same time <laughs> a lot of people are buying it and then when I heard big boy say they was like that was it. I was like All right, I'm gonna give this thing a chance right and as a snob my, maybe my mind is more open to that but i listened. I'm like you know what this isn't my type of music but I respect what they're doing and it's good for what they're doing right and I respect that even right. I'm a snob and That's I'm, what
2: like- I'm saying in in, in in the snob universe and you know we flip it around because we've looked at it one way but if we flip it like I said you may be the biggest snob you know what I'm saying if we if we say okay I'm the most open-minded snob. That's what I'm saying. If open-mindedness, well,
3: I think Scoop's very diverse in this particular area.
2: No, 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 no. I'm, 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 doing, I'm doing like a Bizarro Superman type shit. If open-mindedness is considered, you know, snobbery,
3: snobbery. you may be the biggest snob. No, 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 but there's a big difference between diversity <laughs> and elitism. Just because you're diverse doesn't mean that your tastes are sophisticated or advanced. You may listen to a whole lot of rubbish. Now yeah, I'm definitely know, I'm not, not elite with y'all. Uh, not, i ain't on that elite no, level like, So you're an elitist, John? Are you an elitist, John? He
1: wears a pro. Look at that big E on his chest. <laughs> no, I mean, well,
3: no, <laughs> I'm, I'm just, an elitist. I'm just yeah, saying I am. I'm an elitist. Mm. But but, I'm just but check that, it though. I'm just saying that there's a lot of stuff in my collection that Scoop would turn his nose up at, right? And I mean, you know, like Canterbury prog rock. I'm not sure that you know, I'm not sure that Scoop would be down with that, for example. But I would give it a chance. Would you, bro? Would you? Because honestly, bro, episode nine, you know, I mean, it sounded to me like you didn't give any of that a chance.
2: Mm, he's got a point
1: there.
3: Talking
2: about Fly Low and...
1: I've given Fly Low many chances. I just don't think that for you to say that he's
3: on the level Probably. with the Bomb Squad as far as production, come not on, man.
2: That's, that's a whole
1: nother... <laughs> are you out of your fucking mind?
3: <laughs> no, no, the point is, during that episode, I mentioned a lot of 70s mm-hmm. jazz fusion artists. And your thought I was talking about... At one point, your thought I was talking about contemporary artists, right? Because I'm saying everybody's got a different frame of reverence. Everybody's got a different awareness everybody's got different diversity. But jo- it doesn't but necessarily mean it's Jahan, sophisticated. one,
1: the context of that conversation was about greatness, not even about giving a chance. We're talking about giving a chance right now. We're not talking about <laughs> greatness. So that's a whole different yeah, conversation.
2: I think, though, jo- to go back to the, the beginning of the conversation, though, Jahan, I still challenge, I think your answer, like you said, no, I really think that deep down you say yes. I really do think you think that.
0: Well, I'm a firm believer. I, I'm a firm believer of water seeking its own level. When it comes to listening to music, because when I listen to one of my favorite albums is Fleetwood Max Rumors, and that is
1: That's the it. gold
0: standard of pop records. But when I listen to that record, because I'm an elitist and and I, I, I researched the backstory of how they made the record and everybody like they all hated each other. They were sleeping with you. I mean, it was a it was a it was a mess when they made that record. Total you know? mess. So when I'm listening to the songs, I'm listening with that knowledge base. When another person information. is difficult. listening much to much it, 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 but right. but check it though. When another person is listening to that's sonot- that that song that doesn't have that same kind of knowledge base, they're enjoying it for what it is, and I can't I can't discredit them by them doing that. But at the same time, I can't have a conversation with that because
2: they're not gonna know what I'm talking about. But I'm gonna know everything it is that they're talking about, and it's. But uh, you know, I'll, I'll, I'll pop music does that but i align myself with John on one point is that, like I said before, I don't look for a certain level of complexity, but I do look for a certain level of seriousness, even if you're talking about, even if the music is simple, it can be serious and simple at the same time. So I think that again, my problem with pop, you know, and the problem I have with it right now, as opposed to in the past is that, I don't think it's approached with the same level of seriousness that it was in the '80s. Okay, I like that term better. I think complexity was was a little more <laughs>
0: extreme. <laughs>
1: but it, it, but it can't be for what purpose is trying to serve. No, but I think in the know, '80s
2: it was approached very seriously. <clears throat> I think that you know groups like we brought up Duran Duran, who who made a lot of pop music. I think that they approached that level of pop with a certain seriousness that I don't see now, and so my aversion. Towards pop you know at times like a Bruno Mars or whatever, and I'm not question you know I don't know to do you know what I'm saying, but I just feel like he's a manufacturer it was like, okay, you're going to wear these type of clothes and we just got done talking about image on the last show, so there is some some room for that, but I just don't feel that level of believability from him and he feels like he feels like a gimmick to me, you mm-hmm. know what I'm saying and so that to me lends itself to not the same seriousness now a group that's popular now that does do a lot of pop music and arena music is coldplay. Some Coldplay, I, I liked, what was it, X, X and Y, what was the album? Uh, X, Y, or whatever. Yeah, I don't know, I don't I like that Coldplay. Album. You know what I'm saying? I like that album. The album after that, you know, I picked this track here, I like, this other stuff is too cornball for me. You know what I'm saying? It was like, they kind of go back and forth, um, but they, on a, you know, some of their projects, they have approached pop arena style music with a level of seriousness as a band, as musicians.
3: They're like radio, they're like Radiohead, but only the radio no head yeah i'm not well i mean i'm not trying to hate
2: on Coldplay, but i
0: guess i guess it's just that the pop genre in and of itself is a manufactured genre that is this umbrella vehicle to be to to you know sell records you know there's no blur between the rock genre and the r&b genre Uh, don't get me wrong there's always there's always some some spillover but i'm just saying you know it van halen rock band mm-hmm. but What's but they started jump pop song. pop song right you see right. what i'm saying what defines it rick james
3: R&B funk artist mm-hmm. super freak pop star yeah but, I, I i guess but that's my point that's my point you know he was a funk artist yeah. or punk funk or whatever he wanted to call it but his music was rooted in that right it was rooted in that r b that soul that funk but katie perry it's not rooted in anything right lady gaga it's not rooted in anything bruno mars it's not rooted in anything that's what it is it's just pop and pop alone and you know to me this has no value there's no other context around it here's the thing but at some point can you still respect what they're doing respect the music that they're doing because they're they're executing what their intent is yeah you know as as a you know i, I respect anybody's ambition or anybody's dream or anybody's artistic effort you know if that's what they want to do go for it live your live your life live your dreams can i respect it as an artistic product that does anything for me at all that achieves anything for me at all other than annoying my ears no now the
0: prejudice that i had concerning lady gaga was that until i saw her on tv again, Saturday night live my wife and I watch a lot of (laughs) Siren. I see that. (laughs) But she she was on on the show and the second song she did was a rearrangement of uh, Poker Face and she played it solo piano in a dress that was like a gyroscope (laughs) and me and Joy were just like whoa okay and we took her completely Mm -hmm.
3: seriously and and
0: looked at her from a completely different view because she had musicianship And she had a lot of bravery,
1: because
0: mm-hmm. I, I don't—I have no idea how she was able to play that song in that dress. <laughs> but um, prior to that, Lady Gaga was throwaway music. Mm-hmm. And but I started listening to the same songs that I fronted on as throwaway music. Seriously, did they sound differently to you? Yeah, they did. Not all of them. Don't you know? Not all of them. But uh, but I'm saying I like I, the I like filter. Jones. I was a,
3: I let my filter
0: bring that you know
3: it's kind of the same thing with alicia keys and new york state of mind where she had the the jay-z version which is like an anodyne diluted pop kind of waste of a track and then the piano ballad version which was uh, much more of a sort of 70s billy joel kind of um easy listening vibe it was quite beautiful actually i really liked it i think they had a video for it as well with like candles and stuff um and in fact, Alicia's a good example because even on even on her new album, that that um that track with Maxwell, the fire we make, I love that song.
2: I I, I think I heard that one time. I haven't I haven't heard that.
3: And then the uh, track she had off the last album, Unbreakable or Unthinkable. Yeah, I really really like that Unthinkable track. And actually, I said Unbreakable. I even like that that kind of live track uh, on the Unplugged uh, CD that she did that led off with that, so, so the point being is, you know, like, Scoop, don't think that just because something's in the chart, I won't like it. I like it if I think it's, it's rooted in something else, if it's rooted in soul or, 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 um, r and or anything else just with with some kind of dna that's not commercial ambition you know i don't just i just reject it because it's in the chart
2: but i think no no, no but you know what i think you, i think you made a really good point though about when things are rooted in something because like an alicia keys is rooted in a certain you know not necessarily you have to be rooted in a form in music but it's coming from a serious place and I think a lot of those artists in the 80s were rooted in a lot of that spillover, especially some of the British artists from the 70s and the and the, uh, the R&B and funk that influenced them in the 70s carried over into the pop music that they made in the 80s. And I think that you can you can feel that. And I think some the the that I have with a lot of pop music now is, is I, I, I agree with you. A lot of it just doesn't feel like it's rooted in anything other than how can we sell to these 10 year old kids and make them and make them force their mother to buy this album. Mm-hmm
3: right right and that's and that's where and that's where my feeling is there's no honesty to it i i I share i share this reminds
1: me this reminds me of the comment that dr dre made about jump by crisscross he said as a producer as a hip-hop producer i think this is the worst song ever made because there's nothing hip-hop about this song it's not even anything that hip-hop represents but he said I can't
2: stop listening to it. It's, you know, it'll probably go down as one of the greatest. Wasn't it basically the same beat as the uh the sample is uh Maybe, future on your front It it uh from MC Greed. Yeah. It, it, it it, elements
1: but is the whole concept, the hook, the whole all the gimmicky stuff that went along with jump. As much as he dogged it at the end, he was like, it's one of the greatest songs ever made. Period. And you have to respect it for that. But you won't see any hardcore hip-hop dudes. Talking about a song like "Jump," because that's like that almost invalidates their credibility. Mm-hmm. We're not supposed to like snobs. Aren't supposed to like a song like "Jump." But my thing is, see, I love it too. I love it too. But I'm like respected for what it is and what it does. It's not. Jermaine Dupri didn't try to create. A damn, you know, underground hip hop classic. No, he wanted a pop song and he did. He executed a pop song to perfection.
2: But Jermaine, Jermaine is rooted in a lot of that. <laughs> the sample of that is beautiful.
1: I get, I get that, but I'm saying, if from a snob standpoint, we're not supposed to even embrace that. Mm-hmm. My thing is that. Mm-hmm. T- what I'm saying though is, I
2: think we lean, whether we want to or not, we lean more towards the pop music that is rooted in something. I
3: okay. think so. Okay.
2: Whether we want to or not.
3: Snob, snobs lean more towards it. Yeah,
2: uh, yeah I say, that's what I'm saying. Right. I think we just lean because Jermaine's coming from a, you know, deep sense of hip hop, R&B, funk, whatever. And some of that crept into that that song. You know Mm. what I'm saying? So I think that we just lean that way.
3: Let me clear one thing up as well, because you've mentioned my infamous emancipation of Mimi feelings a few times. I love circles. I love... Mine again. I love Joyride. I love those songs uh, so much. You like the album. (laughs) (laughs) No, no, no. The thing of it is, is that I was just really disappointed with the rest of the album that it didn't have that classic kind of all time, uh, same sort of vintage aesthetic to it. So If you were to take away the non live instrumentation tracks, then it would be ten times better well see
2: i was on i was I was on your side most of this topic, but again that's why I diverged because that those were just straight bangers to me, you know what I'm saying those I get what you're saying as far as the um, the faster tracks that weren't treated in the same way as circles, um, but you know those tracks, you know I can only think of I, there's like one song in on that album that I didn't didn't that really But You could bypass,
1: but I'm looking at it as an album as a whole, not breaking the songs an individual. Like, look, this is what they tried to do and they executed it. They hit it as a package, as an album, they hit it.
3: Yeah, but my point is, if you had to take tracks off the album to make it better, you think it survives more without Circles, Mine Again, Fly Like a Bird, or you think it survives more without that Nelly Wackness? I would say 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 from a longevity
2: standpoint, I get your point, from a longevity standpoint, I agree. Uh, To me, Circles is going to be the song that I go back to 20 years from now. You know what I'm saying? It just, but at the moment, Capturing the Zeitgeist of the Zeitgeist of the moment that, you know, uh say something to those tracks, they were bangers. You mm-hmm. know what I'm saying? And they'll take they'll take me back to that moment in time. Circles is the type of track, man. I'm i I'll play that anytime, anywhere, and it, you know, whatever. Um, but I get your point.
3: Right. See. Therein lies the rub, right? If it's manufactured, mm-hmm. odds are it's not gonna be timeless. Mm-hmm. Yeah, <laughs> I, I,
2: I think though that um, and this is where I draw the line I think that manufactured pop like the the Little Kitty pop the Myers, you know those types of, pop. And, and Beyonce to me in my opinion she straddles the line some songs on her album to me feel like very good pop other songs sound man, like manufactured, manufactured pop I think timelessness to me timelessness doesn't have to be a quality I, I, I'm cool if it's just for the moment but at the same time I think that that manufactured pop is not going to be what I want to listen to Thank you
1: I think in moving forward just in this scenario what John just said I think Katy Perry's album will stand out
2: I'm, you know what? I'm gonna listen to it because i because listening to her singles hasn't made me I- interested at all. Yeah. But based on your suggestion, I'm, I'm gonna check it out just so I can give an informed opinion.
3: You know, one other point I wanted to mention was that of the tracks by so-called pop artists that I do really like, they always seem to be the tracks that aren't actually liked by the general populace.
2: Big, su- big surprise! Yeah, big surprise. <laughs> <laughs> whatever,
3: whatever. It's just natural for me. I don't want it to tell you. It is just natural. Um, you know, it's like Beyonce had that track, that uh, Deja Vu track with the horns and the sort of almost the orchestra. I thought that was a banger, mm-hmm. but no one yeah. liked it.
2: That's that's to me, that's that's great. That's great pop like i said you opened it up by saying no and I, again you know you can never tell anybody what they feel but i would disagree with you about yourself on that one i think you <laughs> i think you do i think you, yeah. I okay. think tell, you tell can tell me about I, myself I, right, <laughs> I
3: think you can i think you can appreciate pop you just yeah but not what they you, call you, pop nowadays
2: right you're more like me you don't like manufactured pop and you have a greater you know degree of can't stand it than i do well it's it's transition
0: to the live performance because uh, much of what we talked about these pop songs are turned into big tours, big productions generate big money for ticket sales. Beyonce is coming around this year. She's got two, three, uh, $400 special circle, you know, VIP circle seats. Um, That's it. I thought they'd be more than that. They probably are because when you get into the whole, um, you know, aftermarket, Mm -hmm
3: secondary market. yeah
0: thank you the secondary market ticket price those those prices are, are are double and three times the the ticket face of it
3: yeah there's like an industry there because these guys have like complicated trading algorithms which allow them to buy up tickets in milliseconds as soon as they go on sale and then resell them immediately like immediately for double triple quadruple quintuple the price it's, it should be illegal actually <laughs> but of- also
0: too the the um the productions themselves the actual concerts themselves the Many of the ticket buyers that are going to these shows expect to hear what they hear on the record actually perform live and get disappointed. Depending on what the artist is, when the arrangements change, when the when when the song selections change, does the live performance matter anymore? Ticket prices are going through the roof.
1: And just to mention, Jay Z and uh, Justin Timberlake are touring together, too.
0: which I can't give Jay a pass. On that, they do
2: they do one song. Yeah, do one song. Why are they touring? And again? now they're doing because this, they're this,
1: probably doing. It's not going to be like it's R. Kelly or you know. Um, uh, oh, but they're giving separate performances. I think that's what to be. It's not okay, be okay, like Kanye. That. It's not because be like fit the Kelly. same. They
2: fit the same aesthetic
1: and yeah. they got the same market. This, a, this is this
2: a big big deal. Like but you it's know what, be that
1: big pop tour. Right. Does, right?
2: does live performance matter? I think from a uh, to the artists and their pocketbooks, absolutely. Because this yeah, how, how they because it's like that's how they get paid even more so now than in the past because. Nobody has. They still haven't figured out how to uh, to use a word uh, to use Jay's word commoditize properly. You know, online music. You know, downloads and and Spotify and uh the so and so forth. And are
1: we talking about live music just that appears on television, or we also including concerts?
2: We're talking about concerts. We're talking about concerts. Concerts okay, live performances. But here's my thing though. I think that that was to me. That's for the artists. For us as the audience, I'm not sure because when a week or two ago frank ocean had his, his his grammy debut big deal right you know on stage i thought the performance was i don't want to say terrible you can say that it just it completely it was so disappointing that's the word i'm looking for it was just disappointing it was like it was a performance that i would expect him to give if he was you know uh in some you know lounge club you know and it was like a, almost like a listening party mm-hmm. performance that's what i would expect it for you this, couldn't even whistle right couldn't whistle he's out of tune for a second too oh for a while yeah i don't know if it was nervousness i don't know but well, I've the seen, word I've was that he
0: was nervous because there's there's a youtube clip circulating around
2: mm-hmm. showing his warm-up mm-hmm. he had like two rehearsals for it and he was just spot on mm-hmm. so but even the song selection and even the presentation of it it was like didn't match to me this big opportunity that you had and I'm not saying I wanted him to get Beyonce with it because I think that we've gone too far with the big spectacle. I don't like spectacles. I like a show. Don't give me a spectacle. But I felt like the Frank Ocean performance, it was just disappointing. And it was like, okay, to me, it's like that clicked in my mind. Wait a minute, how much does live performance? I can imagine back in the day, you would have caught a lot of heat from that, you know. But doesn't matter now, you know. Frank Ocean is not a live performer to me. I've seen him, you know, in clips performing other mm-hmm. places. And I guess that now with with uh, musicians not necessarily growing up within that live you know constantly performing type atmosphere some casts are just in the studio from the minute they be decide to become musicians Does it matter that I can't perform to a certain degree on a stage Can I still become the biggest pop star? The New York Times called him the prince of pop, the new prince of pop you know and it's like how is he the new prince of pop when his live show looks like that mm-hmm. you know what I'm saying it's like it doesn't matter you know what I'm saying is it is there any is there I any don't know way how they call the Prince
1: of pop because he didn't have a record this you know you got to sell a million I think or something you got to go gold or
0: something <laughs> not
3: anymore i mean the 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 bars have been lowered yeah but yeah but that's just lazy journalism that's all that is probably, probably. That's that. thank you thank you John. Well, I,
0: I don't I also don't think that 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 if you've got a record out of that it means that you're built for the stage
3: no 100 too hundred percent right or oh, that you're ready it. But can
1: you, I guess that goes to the crust of what the question is can you exist Or build a career without having to Concentrate on how your performance is
2: Live I think now you can yeah I think now you can but the the Paradox of it is that these cats Need to earn their money on the road mm-hmm. You know so how is this Gelling with the fact that your live show is whack You know how you know It's, it's kind of a conundrum to me at this point How this is happening John We go to, we go to you whenever We're confused right exactly exactly (laughs) no come on yoda give me the answer yoda well Well,
3: i go to a hell of a lot of shows and it really depends on the artist for example i'm going to go and see keith jarrett tomorrow and i've got no doubt that he's he's going to kill it in the last 15 years the time to market and what i mean by the time to market is the time that it takes to get an artist from signing to in-store and on-stage, well, that time frame is much, much shorter than it ever was before. Mm-hmm. And the problem is that artists nowadays or record companies nowadays, perhaps it's an economic position that they can't afford or whatever. Or perhaps they realize the bar's <coughs> to, but point being is artists don't need to spend as much time in development as they previously did. And I hate to say this because I know we all sound like Statler and Waldorf from the Muppet show, but (laughs) (laughs) there's nothing wrong with that. It's it's like in the eighties, you couldn't step out on stage unless you were going to kill it. Yes. Mm -hmm. You know, you had to bring it. You'd get killed. (laughs) And honestly, it's like the Mm -hmm. album was, was the opener. That was like the floor. That's as, that was the floor of how good you were. And the ceiling was the live show. I mean, there are still some acts that just slaughter it live, like Rochelle Ferrell, Robert Glasper, Michelle and Dago Ocello. I mean, mint condition, kill it live. But for the most part, I think the bar is a lot lower. And and the weird thing is that seems to be just just acceptable.
2: Well, here's here's some. There's still some hope, because at that same Grammy show, Justin Timberlake killed it. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? He killed it. He's a performer. He well, that's, that's that's to my he, point. He, that he grew up. He grew up performing. Right. Yeah, and Sure. To my
0: point, that never everybody's really built for the stage. Hip hop is plagued with problems like this. Well,
1: they're part of the problem. Bad Bad they're part audio. of the problem. I think you, you're looking at a music industry that's trying to get away from having people uh, uh, do live performances early in their career and grow up on stage and and you know perfect that craft because hip hop has gotten so beyond horrible as far as live performances are concerned that a lot of the record companies that are building. These artists, are like you know, what we can get by without this because they have, you know, there's there's been no stage work for Lil Wayne, there's been no stage work for Rick Ross, there's been no stage work, you know, for these cats. They just get up a stage, walk around, sound check didn't even have to be good.
2: Jay just did a night. Jay Z did that week at uh, Barclays Center in Brooklyn, and I watched the first show online. He just walked around.
3: Yeah. <laughs> <And> I'm like, <laughs> and so so when record if it, but it's yeah, But the crazy thing is for the Jay Z example, on Twitter. It, it was hysteria, even amongst respected journalists, like hysteria.
2: Well, our audience our audience is just satisfied with just hearing it live now. They don't that's, expect a presentation.
3: Maybe. Maybe. Maybe that's all it takes nowadays.
2: And that's my point. If record companies can see cat
1: like Jay-Z who sold millions and millions and millions and not even thought about trying to perfect the show, or like I said, Wayne or Ross or Drake or any of these cats and they're still selling millions of units why should we take the time to groom this artist to get ready for stay and i think that's left i think that's it started off in hip-hop and now it's affecting the rest of the music business but to counter some that
3: some MCs still kill it live i mean common dj quick
1: right some but the but, well but, okay but, but no no jahan listen outcast what, listen still you're missing what i'm saying the people that we mentioning are the top people in the game they're moving all the units Common's true, not moving true. units like Jay Z.
2: Okay, so why? DJ why, Quick is not but,
1: moving units like Lil Wayne. I'm talking about if you're the record industry or the record company that has to groom the artists and get them prepared for live performances, why do you want to do that when you're looking at the Wayne, the Drakes, the Jay Zs, the Rick Rosses, all these cats, and they have no stage presence and still getting by with selling millions of
2: units? Hmm. Good question. No
3: question. <laughs> I don't know. It's more of a I point than it is a question. question. But I'm saying it's,
2: it's, a, it's the, the conundrum to me though is that why are, why are kids still packing these arenas? What are ticket prices like now? Are they cheaper than they were back in the day no. in comparison? No. $60 to get in the door. $60 to get 60 in the door about
0: 60. At, the highest,
2: at the highest level.
3: Much, much more expensive. And that's from Ticketmaster. God forbid you have to buy them on the right. secondary market.
2: Right. And keep in mind this is a day and age where kids can see you know, have more interaction with their their stars via Twitter, via, right. via so YouTube. Like they yeah. shouldn't be as hungry to see them live as we were, but to the CR. demand,
1: but, but they not, they're putting a different type of demand on them. It goes back to what you just said, not too long ago, Isaac. All they want to do is hear it,
2: mm-hmm.
1: they just want to hear it in a different context. They're not forcing them to be like, you know what? It's not like us with Whitney Houston back in the day. Whenever you saw Whitney Houston, you're like, she sucks live, mm-hmm. she's horrible live. There's no movement, she's born great voice, but this it sucks. I'm not messing with her anymore that demand is not placed on these artists nowadays they're just happy to
3: sing the song along with it and they're good yeah but it depends on the artist like if common came to chicago and dropped a lame show everybody So would you're talk talking about, about ex- you're
2: talking about expectations
3: yeah expectation yeah i mean like esperanza spalding you know if she did a bad show yeah. everybody would yeah, talk I, about look
1: it. i've seen i've seen one of her bad shows I've seen a whole I've seen a yeah, horrible show I mean, by her. I've seen i was just an going th-
3: introspective show of hers where she didn't really connect with the audience or didn't Yeah, I, I, I saw that same connecting show. Connecting with the audience. Yeah. But it was still a good show. Yeah, so I think I think there's a connection with our earlier topic almost in the way that you know the music is weaker, the expectations are lower.
2: No, I got I I disagree with you on that one because my bar I don't care how weak your or I don't even use the term weak. I don't care how pop or whatever your actual song is my I'm I'm super snob when it comes to performance. So it can be the simplest song on earth. You still gotta bring it, you know what I'm saying, in the performance. So I i, I think that it, and it's interesting you guys brought up jazz because that's what I was gonna throw in the mix. Jazz artists to me still put it down. You yes. know what I'm saying for the most part. They've yeah, never, you right. know what I'm saying, it's like they haven't fallen off. You can go see a cat, you know, with a in a, a three or uh, you know, three a three piece set or whatever in a hole in the wall so he, they gonna put it down you know what I'm saying it was just piano bass and drums yeah but,
3: yeah, but in defense of um, I can't believe I'm gonna do this But no in, say it in defense of pop say it <laughs> <laughs> I, want, I want you to say it say in defense of pop <laughs> in defense of insert beep here um, he's not gonna say it <laughs> I'm not gonna say it but in defense of every other art form <laughs> um, jazz is like they can't they can't record unless they can perform, Yes. Mm -hmm. whereas every other art form you know they the construction of whatever product they come out with they don't necessarily need to perform in order to do that like Justin Timberlake doesn't necessarily need to take you know a band and rehearse them to make his record
2: well I get your point but let's not use him as an example because he's a great performer to me again I think you guys are both right expectation plays a huge role in this and we had higher expectations, you know what I'm saying? And the artists themselves. I think uh, Chuck D told both Scoop and I told us a story about how back in the day they would kick cats off for the tour during the tour. If you didn't move the crowd to where you're supposed to move, you weren't you weren't going to be on the, at the next city. You know what I'm saying? Because there was there's a higher level of expectation. Hip hop, I don't know when it happened, but at some point, and I agree with Scoop, it has affected everything else. But at some point, hip hop... Became a dude walking around on the stage with another dude following him, repeating what he says, and that became that became okay. And it's like, how did that? How did that become okay? But, he, this
1: is, but it, it connected to what dudes would do if they didn't have a record contract.
2: Like, so, yeah, so thing it's, a thing. It's,
1: it's, it's basically you seeing a mirror image of what you would do if somebody just said, "Hey, get up on stage and do this." Oh, me and my boy could do that. Yeah, so I feel that. Arthur,
3: what does Arthur think? I think it's.
0: I, I you know I think it's like the last the last segment water seeking its own level cuz the expectation of the audience member is going to be different depending on where it is that they're coming from you know, for example me and Isaac went to see Prince I I really didn't need to see that show I'd seen it before you know um but going to see uh you know Robert Glasper I'm going to be way more excited about that even though Robert Glasper isn't close to to you know the artist level on my list as princes you know what i mean but my expectation is going to be so much more different because because he's a jazz artist because of the background because of the music that i'm anticipating here and because of the way that i know that he rearranges and flips and puts in new ideas you know as improvisation um you know i wouldn't be excited about i wouldn't be excited about 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 having free tickets to see Beyonce. We'll see, it'll probably uh, be a great production.
2: Exactly. I'm so glad you said that. That's yeah, Go ahead. Uh, but, but, the val- but
0: the but the there's no value add to that. I think there's nothing that not I'm going to see. well not right. Right. I think there's nothing I'm going to see on the stage that uh, I wouldn't
2: that I would not be able to see on the on video. TV. Right. I think right now audiences, young and old, go to a because I'm a flip it. Let's get away from hip hop and let's look at the big R&B pop stars. They expect a huge. They expect spectacle. Huge production, mm-hmm. more than they expect a great performance. You give Beyonce a mic um, and two dancers in a garage somewhere, I don't know what she's going to do. But they want to go to a Beyonce show or even an Alicia Keys show or whoever else because they expect a huge production. Lots of lights, lots of money put into this, whatever. And I'm going to tell you I blame for that. They didn't do it intentionally, but just like Michael Jordan didn't intentionally. you Earth know, when you laid, No, <laughs> even after that. Because they were still the the just like Mike didn't intentionally do things that to me have, have affected the game, but mm-hmm. he became so huge it happened. I blame Michael Jackson, Janet Jackson, Madonna, those huge pop stars of the eighties. Hammer that exactly that mm-hmm. b- built these big productions. They were still great performers, right? You know what I'm saying. But what happened is the production at some point segued into becoming the centerpiece. So it's like I don't know. I don't know if you can take these two dancers and come to my living room and put on a show that is gonna knock me, I don't know.
3: Well, well, you Scoop know what? Scoop lover and scrap I mean, lover.
2: You can't bring them stage. <laughs> What'd you say, uh, Joe?
3: I can't believe I'm gonna defend Beyonce. But <laughs> God, <laughs> God, God, God help me. <laughs> but you specifically asked just now of Beyonce, can you bring two dancers to your, actually you might, you might have been literally asking her, can you bring two dancers to my, <laughs> my <laughs> house? Right, right, right. Just come right, by right, yourself. Right, right. <laughs> What's Beyonce's Most celebrated video Of all time The single ladies Right Just her Two dancers Black and white set Monochrome just dancing for four and a half minutes now she may not be able to sustain a whole show that way that's what i was right. about to say right right, right. right. I'll, I'll
2: join you in defense of her a little bit because beyonce did grow up performing you know what i'm saying she so she did. knows yeah. how to perform but i'm saying i'm just using her because she's you know one of the biggest right now if not the biggest still rihanna probably took her place but i'm just saying that production wise when you pay 100 200 you're expecting this huge spectacle yeah. and i think that musical
3: theater almost
2: right journalists have gotten lazy and fallen into as well are they like okay this is a great show was it a great show or was it a, was it a great performance or was it the a great, great spectacle right. you exactly. know what i'm saying and it's exactly. like mm. i want to mm. see the you know the old school like okay you got the time where they just they just you know it was mm. like these cats can perform mm. yeah. you know yeah. what i'm saying yeah. it's yeah. like these a, yeah. cats the opening act. Yeah. got an encore and to give yeah. a shot exactly. to give Take a shout to out to uh yeah. to a, a show we did a little a little while ago about uh, religion or mm. uh, not religion uh church church is still one of the few places i think you can go and see great performance mm-hmm. you know what i'm saying a small True. church big church whatever True. it's just a great performance and again maybe that speaks to the but
1: it goes to what you said the, about the musicianship yeah, a the lot musicianship. of these cats now you know they don't have the musicianship to carry out Jahan made a good th- good point about mint condition anytime you go see mint condition they bring it they bring it almost mm. every time, and it's just their mm-hmm. showmanship. Frankie Beverly and Mays. Every time you go see Frank, Frankie can put on the same show for twenty mm-hmm. damn years. Why? That's why you, they're
2: still relevant. That's why they're
1: still relevant. He don't have to put out an ad. He don't have to put any product. He'll go on tour, do his thing, blow your mind with the set. You know, Backless word for word forward, <laughs> everything. But they bring a <laughs> feeling to that that comes mm-hmm. with having to be groomed and performing in front of individuals. You don't have that anymore. Same with Cameo.
2: Exactly. Same with Cameo. Yeah. They bring a show. It sounds it sounds like though that if the level of expectation were to somehow miraculously rise within the audience a lot of artists right now would be in a whole lot of trouble, especially a lot of hip-hop artists. Right. Mm-hmm. They'd be, And like I said, they rely so much on touring to fill their pocket now. It's like, wow.
1: But why put that investment in there when you can get the same check? That's what I'm saying. Somebody, has to, change, yeah, somebody if has to change the game and record you know companies happen or whatever going to have to follow happen,
2: if, if it, What could happen is you know we get another you know out of nowhere just phenomenal iconic superstar who does perform right. you know and then puts the weight the the pressure on everybody else okay you gotta you gotta, bring you gotta this. come with it right you, you know what i just saw it. this cat two two weeks ago and you can't come whack to me now because mm. you know i know what it's supposed to look like now okay no, he, but wait
3: you know even if we were to talk about the golden age of what we consider to be musical performance can you think about back then can you think of an artist that wasn't an instrumentalist or didn't play an instrument like like Prince or whatever who was deemed to have a killer live show outside of Michael Jackson who we all agree is an alien
0: Barbara Streisand
3: yeah Somewhere, for us, Peace and quiet and open air, wait for us somewhere, there's a I, That's great. I can't. Yep. I've never seen her. So yep. I can't speak. Yep. Yep. Considering That's the fact great. that she charges like what five thousand dollars to take it,
2: I'm gonna every, guess. I'm gonna yeah, guess her, she does. One of the most She. doesn't play yeah. piano.
0: No. sir no, no, you, And you are gonna get about six spotlights and an orchestra, and she's gonna sit on the stool. Yep. <laughs> and you are you are <laughs> gonna be happy. You are gonna be
3: alone away. That's more of like a Frank Sinatra kind of thing, right? But it's still within the realm no, of live performance. I'm not criticizing you know? it. I don't know anything about her.
0: Oh, right, right, right. I mean, it's, a, it's, a, it's another level.
1: It's another level in approach
0: okay. to showmanship.
3: Okay. Yeah. Yeah. She's an MC in that way, right? She moves the crowd. Yeah.
1: I could say the same thing for Anita Baker also. And haven't seen her before. Right. Yeah. Definitely. Yeah. Definitely. Like, oh my she god. She works the stage like unbelievable, and she's so personal with you. Right. She brings you right. into her life. Right. She has it's conversations like with you. Yeah. It is. It's right. like yeah.
3: So she can do that. No, Isaac's living room. Her living room. Right.
2: Right. 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 <laughs> Much bigger. <laughs> um, Jill Scott disappointed me when I saw her live, and I've heard she's given some great shows. I've I think seen. I, I've seen an I, average I I show depending on, on where bad. it is. I think I got caught her on a bad night. She if feeds can, off the energy of the audience. But it wasn't good
0: for you. It's like she kind of well. My my experience, I've seen her three times, but my experience on the on the what was the worst of the three was that she feeds off of the audience. So if she
1: didn't get the kind right, of energy she that
0: she felt she needed from that audience, the music was gonna suffer for yeah. it. Yeah,
2: okay. That's not good. Okay.
1: Like I've seen her like the, most recently, which I wasn't impressed by, but that's because she had to kind of follow up Anthony Hamilton, who turned the shit out.
0: Mm. And that's a whole different. And I'm not a big fan of Anthony I'm not Hamilton, a fan at but all. he
1: but saw seeing him live. I was like, oh my, he went to church. He went everywhere. And I'm like, this dude put on a show. And I was like, Jill got to follow that. And the audience is like, you know, two songs in like, <laughs> come on now. Come on now. So, you know, but I've seen Jill by Jill where she's with nobody,
3: intimate setting by herself, blown away. Okay. So this is now like a typical Jahan moment, but I don't get the hysteria about Jill Scott, <laughs> but I prefer her live to any day, guys.
2: <laughs> you You prefer her live. I've seen her I saw a television performance of her live that mm-hmm. I thought was phenomenal it was yeah. on the Fuse yeah, network the yeah. when they do that that they thing but um i thought yeah i thought that was phenomenal but when i went to see her i was like maybe it was just a bad night yeah. but i was at the chicago theater is that the one you're talking about yeah okay i was at that show that's what i'm talking about then she came back on the encore yeah but it was just like her- like you said she the, she was just she kept talking to the audience and i'm like stop talking well just- that's the thing <laughs> it was
0: like it was like she was trying to get some kind of yeah it wasn't getting it. energy and it i'm like this is chicago and then, theater and they wasn't giving it to her yeah, like if and it was then, at- then the show ended mm-hmm And uh, I said, hold on. The corny people People left. left. Right. And then she (laughs) came back. (laughs) (laughs) And she came back. And then she was like, yeah, now we
2: got it. And then then it was was like 20 (laughs) minutes of hardcore. Suburbs (laughs) left and Southside was still there. And they rocked it.
3: So basically we can boil this down to two types of audiences, right? The audiences that just want to see you do the record again, but just in person. And then those that want you to breathe life into it or give it a new dimension um sort of like the creation of art live
0: right
1: right it's like we want to experience you and your art i think at the end of the day man it boils down to energy you know Mm -hmm. i'm just saying not you know not has to be high energy all the time but it boils down to energy what energy is the artist giving to the audience you know, regardless of whether they're walking around on stage, sitting on a stool, you know, whether they got a hundred dancers and a light and, you know, pyrotechnic, whatever, it doesn't make it, it's the energy that's brought to the table. What do you leave with? Do you leave with a sense of the energy that the that the artist gave to you as a listener to this? And what's happening now is that I think you have a slew of artists. And sometimes it does happen in jazz. Let's not get it wrong and say every jazz performance oh, no, is very, yes, Yeah, it's right. whack performance. It's, st- yeah. it's still about the energy. If you bring the energy to the table, you know, that energy then it's like you know what i feel what you were doing i'm with you on what you're doing this is what i'm walking away from the problem is is that we're living in a day and age musically that they have found a way for artists to exist without having to use that
2: as part I, of building I, their I, career I, I agree completely i think to me to me it's about when i go to your concert i want you to add another chapter to the story it's like your music is yep, exactly. your album whatever is a story yep add another chapter. i go see Robert Glasper. Uh, when I go see him, when he's here in Chicago, he adds chapters. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? To, this, to these songs I've heard a million times, he adds a chapter to it.
3: And each show is different.
2: Right. right. Jay-Z's, Barkley's show, the one I saw online, I didn't see all of them. I saw one. It didn't add nothing. It had no chapters. Nothing. Mm. Not even a footnote. Mm. It's like, bring me another chapter. And to me, that's what Press does very well. Um, and a lot of other uh, artists do. They add another chapter, you know what I'm saying, to, their, to the story. Mm. For you as an as audience member.
0: All right, round table. We're going to do a round table for the greatest soundtrack of all time. The greatest movie soundtrack of all time. Your personal favorite. Uh, who wants to go first?
2: Nobody. <laughs> no, no, I,
1: I don't mind going, but can we? Can I, I asked for a qualifier first.
0: Yes. To scope it?
1: well yeah does it have to be a soundtrack that is original music for the film no i don't think so
2: no, i don't i don't think so
0: well
1: i do a little See, that's bit what I I mean, like like
0: like if you're like if yours was girl six
1: i'd
0: oh, yeah. say no. oh
2: god okay
1: <laughs> but i'm saying because that's just a compilation of no of, no no here's hear what i'm saying i'm thinking okay the difference between purple rain and cooley high See, Cooley High was a soundtrack based on all the Motown songs uh, that were in the that movie. because I think okay. it takes
2: a certain skill
3: to oh, no, put okay, together
2: okay. songs that match I'm just asking. a movie. I'm just, so I'm not mad at I'm I'm the just, okay, yeah.
3: okay, cool. No, no, no. It's, it's got to be specifically for the film. See, I told, that's why I asked the question. Uh, right, you see? do you, dog. You knew what me and Arthur were going to say before you asked it.
1: <laughs> no, that's why I had to ask it because I think there is a differentiation. And when I was looking at the list and compiling what I thought was the best, I was like, okay, right off the top of my head, Dad, when you asked the question, it's Claudine. To me, Claudine okay. has always been one of the greatest because it's Curtis Mayfield mm-hmm. with Gladys Knight and the songs that were on there, you know, it, I'm just like, that was the greatest. But you start looking at, you know, soundtracks and the two that stood out to me were, um, of course, I, I, I was on some James Brown, you know, um, you know Black Caesar stuff, mm-hmm. but that's another thing. But the Big Chill, okay, because mm. it was nothing but the Motown hits on there, and um, I'm going to tell you my goat, because Big Chill was coming close. But the goat on here happens
2: to be, um, what did I say? Kuli Ha.
0: Okay. All right.
2: We'll give you a pass. Yeah. I don't think it's a pass. I think it's cool, because look. Well, I mean, it is. What is the soundtrack's purpose?
1: To serve the purpose to of the film? To serve
2: the... Mu- to make... To make, basically but, make but, the movie better. But here's the
1: deal. If... if if you're talking about like original music like you're going to the purple rains and you're going to the parades and you're going to the saturday night fevers mm-hmm. and you're going to the heart of the comes you're going to um you know all of these other soundtracks mm-hmm. this is music that was produced specifically for the no, film no, 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 not no. pulled in a compilation of great songs because if you really look at what the songs that are on the big chill or songs that are on coolly high
2: you can't go wrong above the realm poetic justice i get you right you know what i'm saying Love but, Jones.
1: Right, Do my the right th- thing I thought it was better than both of the Love,
2: Yeah do the right thing Love do Jones right thing, quick, right. But my point is that <laughs> stuff, And man. I'm arguing I'm arguing for you I'm saying To me it takes It doesn't take anything Away from it If you were able to Make this movie better With this music Yeah Especially sequencing We're also right. talking right, about right, Sequencing right, 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 right. You know cause you're talking About the progression Of the movie And the narrative Right I don't care if it was original okay. or not. To All me, right. yeah.
1: That's okay, well, here's my, my GOAT in that aspect is Cooley High. It's mm-hmm. my GOAT in that aspect because it was unbelievable. And that big chill comes in a very close second. After that, uh, on the other flip, just original music, it's hard to, for me to go against Purple Rain, but I think I'm either going to stick with Claudine or I may throw it out of left field, and I hate to say it, but I may have to go with Poetic Justice. Even though Arthur does not like get it up mm. by what you call it, no, I do not. Yeah, but I thought. <laughs> but, but
0: you know, part of, and I'm not.
2: I love poetry. Just it captured. That was '94, and yeah. that captured like. That was a beautiful that time for hip hop and R yeah. and B, that was everybody's on there. Oh man, it was
1: Definition of a Thug, nigga, by Tupac is on yeah. there. Mm-hmm. Once again, Mr. Grimm is nice. on there. Usher, when mm-hmm. he was going by Usher Raymond, his <laughs> right. first song yeah. is on there. Right, right. by
2: Jermaine right. J P. Yeah, that's, you know that's, that's what I'm saying. I'm not take. mad at compilations, cause like that's that's that's, that's 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 a beautiful soundtrack. So
1: to me, that's the go. And then second to that would be I think Do the Right Thing soundtrack is one of the most underrated soundtracks
2: in the history of music. That that was unbelievable. From Marcellus remix of Fight the Power was on there. Was just him. Yeah.
1: Remember that girl group Perry? They're on there. They got two songs on there. You know, um, it's just, yeah. The Perry
3: sisters, yeah.
1: Yeah, the Perry sisters, exactly. Uh... And the only thing I think was missing there if, if Keith John has a song in there When he sounds so much like Stevie Wonder That you almost wish it was Stevie Wonder Why don't we if, try Right, why don't we try If that was Stevie Wonder on there That might win it <laughs>
3: And uh, <with> Gerald Austin <laughs> That Austen, might be it. Just like Mark try, <laughs> track Gone Clockers People in Search of a Life
0: Ooh Oh yeah The first half of Clockers is great
1: Yeah
0: uh, But uh, Laurie Perry and Gerald Austin's Hard to Say Yeah And Don't Shoot Me by Take Six Yeah man mm. Take Six on there too mm. that's, a, oh, yeah,
1: that's Yeah. The Goat Take Six yep. track Yep. That's it. so that's what I'm saying to me Do the Right Thing is number two but I have to choose if I had to make the choice between that's original original music created for the movie not mm-hmm. a compilation mm-hmm. I would have to say Poetic Justice first and the only reason I'm not saying Claudine is because it's only seven songs deep but I love to me Claudine is my personal GOAT, but mm-hmm. I can't give it like the overall goat status
2: I love watching that movie
1: uh, she was no, she was
2: just so beautiful. It's like every scene, It's like Oh man, she's gorgeous.
1: Yeah, but she ain't sound like Gladys Knight. Gladys Knight, Curtis Mayfield. You can't you can't, you can't, <laughs> can't go only, wrong. you can't go wrong with that. That's you a can't go that wrong. The, you talk about a dream team. You talk about dream collaboration. That's one of those dream collaborations that just happened to happen. And you got one of the greatest soul singers ever singing for one of the greatest soul songwriters ever for just this one project. And they do seven songs on there. They kill it. You talk about a song, something setting the mood for the tone of a film. Every song in that film Sold great purpose. So it's hard for me not to, make one.
2: to
1: go so good there you
0: go. good one how's it like, you want next
2: um yeah i really really didn't have one so i started to look for let me i was i was like let me just be honest with myself what's the movie soundtrack that i've listened to most over the years yeah. and it's the batman soundtrack the mm, first the, the nineteen. Well, the yeah. 1989 <laughs> batman soundtrack. yeah we've already had that discussion john and Again, you know, to be honest, it was at that point in time. I, I forgot how old I was, but this is the marriage of two things that are very important to me in my life at that time, and still are. Still are. <laughs> Batman and Prince. I'm thinking when they announced that Prince was going to be doing the Batman soundtrack, I was on cloud nine. It's like you can't. This you had is your first little orgasm. <laughs> you had your first Uh-oh. little orgasm.
3: <laughs> Too far. <laughs>
2: Uh, shades of your uh, your comment your booty comment right. from the Erica right, episode right, right, right. <laughs> but um yeah it was like the mayor and, and I, if legend has it correct uh, it was Jack Nicholson yes that you know uh, recommended Prince for the gig and if, a, if the purpose of a soundtrack is to serve a movie and to make that movie better they didn't play all the songs during the movie but before that movie came out remember Bat Dance hit the radio and the video came out wow it was like if you weren't excited about the batman movie before that you had to you know what i'm saying it point. was like that just it blew it out the water and then for him to come with scandalous on the same album you know uh and the vicky waiting and the you know uh the future future which was one of my favorite tracks the first electric track of the chair. album electric chair i've listened if i listen to sound say okay what's the most the soundtrack i've listened to most over the years it's easily easily batman and the b-side that i hate i love you and me i love what? you Oh, how can you I hate love that, that song, song. Man. So, another episode
3: <laughs>
2: i love you and me oh and uh his creativity around it's like he took hold he took hold of the concept you know what i'm saying of that and if, and if also if legend has it correctly uh when frank miller was attached to the batman project and this is you know not confirmed but he allegedly shot a scene with batman a love scene between batman and vicky Vale, with scandalous you know playing <laughs> Love to get that, right? <laughs> right? 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 Love right. to get that. What was the other one? Uh, that was it. Okay, that was you, said, it. Okay. you know above the realm and uh uh, yeah, uh, uh poetic justice and higher learning were came at a time. I think I was either just starting college or about to go into college or whatever, and it was like that. That captured the moment for me that was just a beautiful time. Mm. You know, what I'm saying in music to me, um, as far as where we were hip hop wise and where we were R and B wise. Right. Um, so those soundtracks to me were just you know were phenomenal.
0: Right. Uh, I'll go. Uh, I do have, I've got an honorable mention. That Hard Day's Night by the Beatles. Nope. Wow. <clears throat> okay. uh, the soundtrack to She's Got a Habit, mm. done by Bill Lee, yes. Spike Lee's father. <laughs> yes. Uh, yes. It's very short. Mm. It leaves you really wanting That these songs to be a lot longer, mm. costing about how 30 minutes. Oh, 30 minutes. It's a 30 minute soundtrack with, what is it, 19 songs? A lot of them, a lot of these songs are not even a minute. Some so, of them are even 30 seconds. It's a score it's a score mm-hmm. and um quintet performance uh standouts are well there are a lot of standouts but vocals the vocal version of nola mm-hmm. um which jose james recently um did a remake that's that's also very good and um just the whole thing it's just worth it this is worth to get i just had to mention it okay. but i think th- my goat is isaac hayes shaft Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. <laughs> Mm. theme from Isaac oh, Hayes it's
3: a good choice yeah wow. it was, that was hard that I was hard
0: ass I'm like that's that tough. was hard um uh, theme from Shaft is is <laughs> it won an Oscar but it's almost it, it, it's so famous that it's almost parodied mm-hmm. as mm-hmm. like the as the as the it's you know it's so t- closely aside closely attached with the black exploitation movement mm-hmm. that um People don't look at the rest of the album. It's like that. That's that's all that there is to it. Mm-hmm. But if you don't get past Shaft, Shaft so you, big as y- a song. Yeah, uh, it, it overshadowed the whole album.
2: Mm-hmm. Attached, but, to, attached to that scene in the movie, it just you know, yeah, right. It, it, great opening scene, yeah. you know. But I mean, iconic opening. Scene. Oh
0: my goodness! Once you get past that, it's like you've got uh, Cafe Reggio's, you've got Soulsville, mm-hmm. you've got Do Your Thing. Um, You've got uh, Early Sunday Morning, mm-hmm. uh, and you. When I first heard the soundtrack, it was a friend of mine that gave it to me when I was in college. We were at a Tower Records. We 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 would go to like Tower Records every weekend. We just in yep. Atlanta? No, in uh, LA. LA. We okay. go to Sunset Boulevard Tower Records. And this one night, my man, he just came up to me with the CD and he just put it in my hand. Once I heard the album, I had no idea that Isaac Hayes could do music like this. Yeah. <laughs>
1: mm-hmm.
0: Because mm-hmm. my association with Isaac Hayes was like to be hot continued, butter hot butter soul, you know, real, real funk. Mm-hmm. That Memphis, that Memphis, uh, uh, soul say, yeah. stuff that he did with Sam and Dave. Mm-hmm. Uh, but these were these were orchestrations, mm-hmm. like yeah. Trouble Man. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that was, yeah, yeah, yeah. With the, just a certain beauty and resonance. I mean, I really can't. I really can't stop and gushing over that. He chose it
1: over Superfly, though. That's
0: wow. I did. You know why it was it, uh, for me? It was the range of the music mm-hmm. and everything that it that, it, that it, you know it covered, and it really it it gave me without having to see Shaft, gave me an idea of what that film actually looked like.
1: Okay, okay.
2: Mm-hmm. So it's a good one. Good one.
1: Good one. And they mentioned that they had some great speaking of the whole black too, That's one thing I think we can take away from in this conversation. There were some great, great, great soundtracks. That were I I, I beg to say every soundtrack almost came connected to uh it was, was a black it was better it was better than the movie. <laughs> I mean you go to Black Season you go to Trouble Man, you go to uh my man Willie Hutch, Foxy, uh, the Foxy Brown soundtrack. Yeah, the Fox, you, 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 yeah, you go to Roy Ayers, you go to uh, like I said James, you go all the way down line, go to Superman. I mean um Super Superfly. Fly go to Isaac Hayes doing Shaft, you go through the list of songs that were connected to some of these black, playsta- black exploitation movies, all the, the soundtracks were, they defined black music of mm-hmm. the 70s mm-hmm. more than the films did. Mm-hmm. because Sparkle. You know, the, Sparkle. Oh my God, I forgot about Sparkle. Oh my God. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> right. That was on my list too. Oh, that's a good one. That's a good one. Well, you know, like I said, with Willie Hush, does Brothers Gonna Work It Out, you're like, all right, how, how can this not be, you know? But those soundtracks are big. You we know, should it, do a it, whole
3: episode on black exploitation. We
1: could black exploitation music, but what's going to happen, Jahan, is that they're all going to be attached to damn their soundtracks to movies. Yeah, that's what they're going to be. They're attached to movies. Mm-hmm. So,
3: well, my pick, the greatest movie soundtrack of all time for me is Bernard Herman's Psycho. Ooh, mm. that's a
2: good one. Wow,
3: I think um,
2: just for that one, just for that no, one no, track, no, or no, just who the won? whole thing.
3: No, a movie okay. soundtrack should set the whole tone for the film it was it was done by um bernard herman who didn't want to do it hitchcock originally wanted him to do a jazz soundtrack this is 1960 and he didn't want to do that he also didn't want to do it because hitchcock wasn't going to pay him enough Mm. Mm. so he ultimately eventually relented and said you know okay i'll do it But because Hitchcock wasn't going to give him enough budget, he couldn't afford a full symphony orchestra. So he opted only for a string orchestra. Now, what's interesting about that, I think, is that had he been paid the amount that he wanted, Mm. the soundtrack would have been totally different. Because without a symphony orchestra, you'd have had a brass section, woodwinds, drums, you know, you'd have had everything. And uh, if you listen to Hitchcock's other soundtracks, you know that's very much there and present in their sound. But um, here it was just the strings, right from the opening, the main title, to the infamous shower scene, to the scene where we discover that Norman Bates and Mrs. Bates are actually one and the same person. It's just strings. And the whole movie was shot in black and white, and just that one palette of sound really contributed to the monochrome vibe behind it. Uh, Hitchcock later said, 33% of the effect of Psycho is due to the music. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Now, if you look at the opening main title with uh, it's kind of the music overlays, Saul and Elaine Bass's title sequence, and you see these titles shooting across the screen like really quickly, and Bernard Herrmann uses this technique called ostinato, mm-hmm. which really is hip hop, actually, because it's basically a loop and it takes a loop over and over again. It's, it's very, very urgent. And what's interesting about it is um, it gives you this urgent anxiety and sense of impending doom, even though nothing even happens for the first 15 or 20 minutes. But that music stays with you. And when Janet Leigh absconds from her office with the money, again, the music comes in as she's driving away. Mm -hmm. And it starts to rain. And the music, interestingly, stops when we see she's arrived at the Bates Motel, which is where she'll be killed. But you're already infected by the fear because of the music. And it stays with you. We know something terrible is going to happen to her because of it. Crazy thing is that Hitchcock didn't even want music in the shower scene. Mm -hmm. He thought it would interfere with it. He thought it would disrupt it. And that's one of the arguments that Hitchcock and Bernard Herrmann had. And eventually Hitchcock relented and said, Okay, you're right. You're absolutely right. It it needed this. But that screeching, the screeching of the violins, really matched the stabbing of the knife into poor Janet Leigh. That, to Mm -hmm. me, is very, very hard to think of iconic movie scenes that just wouldn't be as iconic without the music we know them to have. That's probably the greatest example of that.
2: I think if we went through uh, some of our, our 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 favorite movies of all time and our favorite scenes of all time, we probably would realize how much attached we are to the music, you yeah. know what I'm saying, that, that, that form, that scene. To take this away from film real quick, what would Miami Vice be without the music? Oh, yeah. You know what I'm saying? To go to TV. You know what I'm saying? It's like, and Michael Mann, when they did the the Miami Vice movie a couple years ago, Michael Mann agonized over whether or not to include uh, uh, the remake of In the Air Tonight at the end in that final sequence, the the climactic sequence. Mm -hmm. In the theatrical version, he didn't. He did on the DVD version. Mm -hmm. But to John's point, that, you know, to me, when a soundtrack can just epitomize, you yeah. know what I'm saying, mm-hmm. a movie, you know what I'm saying, or a scene, mm-hmm. that's, that's gold and that's exactly what it's supposed to do. It's the same way
1: I feel about like Giorgio Moroder and Midnight Express. Mm-hmm. It's the exact same thing, it, it, it captures that one song, it captures the entire. Moment of what that entire movie is all about, very similar to what
3: you
2: and Psycho to the point where that ding 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 that that music has yeah. become. That's like you don't fuck you don't even need to play the movie, play right. that music, and everybody right. knows exactly what right. that is.
3: You know, another example of exactly that, um, which is also a macabre and sinister example is John Williams' Jaws. Mm. Yeah, yeah, exactly, exactly. Yeah, exactly. Yep. Yeah. Great, great point. It's like you don't even need to see anything; just hear those notes. Just, just two notes, right? Yeah. Mm.
1: Okay. Here's the thing. I'm gonna say this. Either Jahan is a genius, beyond genius, or he's the most foolish shit person I've ever heard in my life. Because <laughs> anybody listening to this, you have to understand. You, did you hear that, that diatribe he went on? This is him saying he did not have a pick for a greatest soundtrack.
2: But he went into infinite detail <laughs> did you just do that off the dome right that's what he's <laughs> no. either a G's or he, or he did the this top.
1: shit and he's full of shit right see that's off the top are you, but he he said uh, no I, I'm not ready to talk about that topic before we came on it he was not ready to talk about this topic but he goes on a 20 minute dissertation <laughs> right. about
2: did, his, I don't you, think you could have done that better had you written it down <laughs> No Are to my re- point. Are you reading from notes dog? No nope, nope. Did you use a pencil? Off, off the top To my point He's a genius He's a ge- he's genius <laughs> he But a genius. Is,
1: how deep and better would you think it would have been If he had spent some time right. studying
2: it? We, uh, you that's what I was just talking yeah, that, that was like a dissertation <laughs> That was some scholarly shit you just and did And that's <laughs> off the top of his dome
1: <laughs> That's off the top of his dome really
2: Mad props dog Mad found props Found only Thank on you. the Music yeah. Snobs podcast Next time I'm just going to get you to explain my pick <laughs>
0: This has been episode 15 of the Music Snobs podcast. Visit us online at themusicsnobs.com. You can find us on Facebook at facebook.com slash themusicsnobs. snobs. We are also on SoundCloud at soundcloud.com slash, wait for it, the music snobs. And our Twitter handle, Total Music Snobs. Thanks very much for listening and your support. We'll see you at episode
1: 16.